0: Welcome to the Equity Team Podcast, where we provide Sedona, Arizona real estate insight to help you thrive during your next real estate transaction. Welcome back. I'm Chad McMahon with the Equity Team. I am an investor and an investment specialized real estate agent in the Sedona area, Sedona, Arizona. So for this podcast, I'm going to quickly go into one main topic. Really critical topic that's asked of me all the time by current clients, um, potential potential future clients, uh, people that are just calling to uh, get a consultation with me, things like that. And the question is, how do I find off-market opportunities? And Chad, can you get off-market opportunities for me or for us? And of course, the answer is yes, I can get off-market opportunities, but let me dive into this for you for your benefit, the viewer, so that you know how to get these off-market opportunities, or at least most of these, for yourself, okay? So whether you're working with another agent in Florida or, or something else this should benefit you, I'm going to share my screen, and I'm just going to dive in here, okay? So first of all, with the, there we go. With the MLS, there are off-market opportunities that surface all the time. And a lot of agents don't pursue them because the percentage of success uh, for you drops, which means more work and less payout. And that's really it. So uh, also just, you know, between me and you, viewer, um, the other reason why some agents won't pursue these off-market opportunities is sometimes they can burn out a buyer client. You know, if you pursue several avenues and they don't work out, sometimes clients will say, ah, it's just, it's not working out, then they'll they'll walk. Whereas if they would have just focused the easy low-hanging fruit, meaning active listings on the MLS, that wouldn't have occurred. So that's just a fair warning there. But these are great opportunities, and I can talk a little bit about the percentage of success, which is, which each, goodness sakes, with each of these opportunities. So here's the overview. And then I'll show you some specifics in just a moment. So, on the MLS, we've got temp or temporarily off market, canceled, expired, coming soon, and pending taking back up uh, listings. These are all considered off market and pending, you know, that's off market too, because once something goes pending, it's not technically available, it's not active on the market. Coming soon are going to be, it's just what it sounds like. It's properties that they're going to hit the market. They've already been uploaded onto the MLS, but they're not active. They're not even allowed to show the property yet when they're coming soon. But, you know, it's a status that a lot of people don't see. I always send coming soon to my clients because there are some really great opportunities that pop up there that we might miss otherwise. And if you wait until it's active, then you're competing with everybody. And then, of course, expired cancel, it's temporarily off market. Now, temporarily off market is worth mentioning just real quick and clarifying. So that could be for a lot of reasons why something would be temporarily off market. Usually it's going to be, okay. it was already listed. It was active. And then the the seller says, shoot, I need you to take it off market for me. I need to do this remodel or, hey, I've got the holidays are coming up. I need the whole month blocked off. No showings. I don't want to deal with any of that. And then the agents say, okay, no problem. We'll just go temp off market after the holidays. We'll put it back on active again. And that way, you know, there aren't any headaches or frustrations with it. And they just pause, you know, all of that activity. So a lot of times like that, and I have successfully over 20 times in the last 2 years I've successfully negotiated great deals for my clients where it was holiday temporarily off market and got my prop my uh, clients in there and got a great deal locked down on a property that was going to be a great short term rental or something similar and you know hot potatoes too you know properties that were heavily desirable lots of buyer activity and then they pause it and the listing agent tells everyone hey we're stopping everything and then I, I just very gently continue to massage it and I work on it and then um, I get something going and I lock it down in a contract while there's little to no competition. So it's a beautiful thing. And you know you always get a better deal when that kind of thing is going on. Now, the uh, and again, this is just a quick overview and then I'll show you a few things. The non-MLS, the for sale by owner off-market opportunities, um, driving neighborhoods, looking for signs. I don't do that for my clients. It's something clients need to do for themselves offer uh on non-sale properties properties that are not for sale anywhere they're not for sale by owner um, listed they're not listed on the mls no signs no interest in selling but you still make an offer and then the last one and this one is it's the most practical for sale by owner approach for most buyers because you can just do it from your computer is to check sites like zillow craigslist Just bear in mind, especially on Craigslist, it is a minefield now, and there's so many scammers, so you've got to play it smart, okay? Um, And, you know, you can always loop in, even though these are for sale by owner and not MLS, you can still loop in an agent. Just bear in mind that. So, for example, I've helped my clients purchase countless for sale by owners over the years. The seller pays the commission, so you don't need to worry about it. And as long as the agent is the first point of contact, meaning they contact the sellers before you do, then usually the sellers say no problem. You know, I'll I'll pay a three percent or two and a half percent or some kind of commission to you, agent, and and no problem. We can we can work it out uh, because they're grateful for you know a beating heart and a legitimate buyer. So that's the deal there. Now, um, what I'm going to do before I show you some specifics is I'm just going to clarify a couple things with the non-MLS uh, strategies. Driving neighborhoods looking for signs, um, it can be good if you know there's a neighborhood that you're really interested in. And this happens to be like in your backyard, meaning in the town you live and it's not that far of a drive. Get out there with a notepad and a couple of pens and and or snap a bunch of photos of for sale signs or whatever and call them. It's worth it. You know, if there's an area that you really like, or if you just fall in love with the curb appeal a place or something, that's a great strategy. Um, and a lot of those people, they're not going to advertise somewhere else. It's just they throw a sign in there and they call it a day. So if you catch one of those, it's really in your favor to use that method because they don't have a very, it's a very small buyer net that they're casting. You know, it's when you really list it that you expose that property to a lot more people and then you have more competition. So the less competition, the better for you. Um, the other thing is this one is this is a low success rate strategy but you know half a dozen times over the last five years um, I just run across people that say that that's how they bought their home so it doesn't happen very often and usually you don't get a great deal on it but you can sometimes you can get a great deal on something that's 10 or even 20 percent below market value um, but of course most people are going to say no I'm not going to sell it because they're not, you know, but sometimes you get lucky and that's the whole point. So I would consider this to be about a 5% success strategy. This one right here, just offering on non-sale properties. You see places you love, try to come up with a semi-fair price, throw it at them, see if they're willing to do it. And, you know, usually with this kind of thing, you want to be, it helps if you're a cash buyer. If you're not a cash buyer, like most people, Um, then you want to be ready to go, you know, get pre-qualified before you start this process. You don't want to make a bunch of empty promises to people. You want to make sure that you can really pull the trigger and you've got a lender that said, yes, I've pre-qualified you or I've pre-approved you and and you're ready. You're ready to rock and roll. And this last one is, again, this is probably your best way to go. It's certainly the most efficient and um, you just have to watch out for those scammers. So I'm going to dive in here. And I'm quickly going to show you these different statuses. So this is a search in the Sedona area, um, and it really expands on your results and your options. Now, these pending, taking backup, I'm going to go through each of these statuses. The pending, taking backup, these are going to be folks that they've got it in contract, obviously, with a buyer, and they're open to having a backup offer. Um, And so you would go through an agent, I mean, you can always use the listing agent, but um, you you go through an agent and the agent would help you put in an offer. And if they accept your offer, you're not in contract as the buyer, you're in contract as a backup buyer. And so if that other buyer uh, flakes out or they can't qualify or they just decide they want to walk because they get scared off by by something that probably isn't even that scary or whatever it may be, their financial situation got a little more rocky or something. Um, So if they cancel, then you slide into first position and that's when the clock starts and that's when you become the buyer. And now you're in contract and you get to do a full due diligence period and you get to inspect and you get to check it out and all of that. You don't miss out on those opportunities. It's whatever you put into your offer, you get that, okay? So I always recommend backup offer or not. Uh, It's a good idea in in 99% of cases to have, you know, an inspection period and, and all of that kind of stuff. So that's the point. If you slide into first position, that's when you get your earnest deposit to the sellers. Usually it's wired over, you hand them a check or something. And then now you're the buyer in first position. Okay. And then you still have all the, you know, unless you waived them in your offer, you have all the contingency protections that a buyer should have. So you're well protected and then you can move forward and you can do your normal stuff. So the success rate on this, if it's done right, um, usually, you know, it's it's somewhere right now, it's about a 20%. It's pretty good. This is a really good strategy. And again, a lot of people don't pursue this, which is really a shame. Um, Just in the last year alone, I've had more than five, I want to say it's been five to eight, six to eight, something like that, buyers that have purchased properties with this method. So it works out. You just need to understand and accept in your heart that it has a 20% success rate, not an 80% success rate. So you kind of just, you go through the motions on a place that you love And uh, you hope it works out. But you understand it's likely it won't. But in my book, this is well worth the effort, okay? As long as you just understand that uh, there's more chance it won't work out than a chance that it will. But this is a great way to just slide in and, you know, get that. And then usually it's like within a week, but usually within a few days after you get into backup position, you'll know. You'll know if you're going to become first position buyer or not. The other benefit is when you do a backup position offer, you really have all the power in the relationship between buyer and seller because you can always withdraw your backup offer. So if they accept your backup offer, um, you know, you can change your mind and then you just your agent gets them something in writing that just says, hey, we want to withdraw our backup offer and you just um, you just pull on out of there and move on. So it's a great way to go, but you just want to make sure if you pursue a backup offer, that you're sincere, um, that you're very earnest in your your approach. Um, now, expired is a given. That's uh, MLS listings that, you know, they have a deadline of when they're going to sell this thing by. And then that time comes up and the sellers don't extend it. So you can see here there are um, a decent amount of these things. And, you know, there's some nice properties in here that I'm very familiar with, by the way. Now, the chance of success on expired listings is a lot lower. So I would say it's about 5 to 10%. And the reason why it's so low is a lot of times it expires and then either they, um, they list it with another agent, so it actually goes active on the market, and usually then it sells. Um, usually, the, this is what the, the seller psychology is with a lot of these things, is first you have an agent, puts it on the market, and the seller says, it's got to be priced up here. And the agent says, ooh, all right, I'll do it. But, you know, I think we should be right here. And it doesn't sell. It's priced too high. Or in some cases, those listing agents don't do a very good job. And, you know, they don't market it properly or whatever it may be. But usually it's a price issue. And so then it expires. And then the seller says, I'm sorry, I can't continue with you. And then they list it with another agent at the price that the first agent had recommended. And then it sells. So a lot of these, again, they're already sold by the time we're looking at these, because they were actually listed again with a fresh agent at a lower price, and then they sell. Um, but again, this is another strategy. And um, as an agent myself, you know what I usually do represent in buyers, if they're asking about a property that's either it shows as expired or whatever it is, or I know that one of these is a great fit for them, I reach out. Uh, first, I look online and I see if it was relisted. I see if there was any for sale by it, uh, owner activity with that property. And you know, I see if it's already sold. If it has, then we move on, move on to some other property. If I don't see that, then I actually reach out to that previous listing agent and uh, I ask them. I ask them about it. I say, what's the situation here? And is this something that um, they would still be willing to sell? Um, now, it's very similar with Temp you know, temporarily off market. Again, we already talked about these. These are great opportunities. This has a higher chance. Um, You know, usually I would say these have about a 40, um, 40% because things happen. You know, sometimes we just, we go temp off market and they never go back on again. Um, So that can happen too. And we also see temp off market with similar situations to expires where sellers will tell the listing agents, hey, we need to temporarily pull this off market. They do that. They're not authorized to put it back on. And then the seller says, you know, I actually don't want to list it right now. And sometimes that's true. Or sometimes that's them saying, I don't want to work with you on it anymore. And then they actually list it with someone else or they go for sale by owner on their own or whatever it is. And then again, rinse and repeat, you know, it sells or whatever. So that can happen too. But these have, these are much better. Notice there aren't very many of them because a lot of times these do go back on market. So there was a longer list once upon a time, but then that list got Shot up as they uh, went active again, canceled. So canceled is a toughie. You know these are a smaller percentage chance of success. Uh, Cancelled probably about a five percent chance of success with these, um, and there are a lot of them. So there are a lot of reasons why people might cancel. You can see just tons of these in this in the small area of Sedona. So a lot of reasons why listings get canceled, and. Um, you know, the, the short version is a lot of these that get canceled. People usually decide either they, they don't want to sell it in which case they don't want to sell it. Uh, you can still approach them, you know, reach through. And again, I reach through the listing agents on this. I don't try to cut them out or anything like that. Reach to the listing agents and see if that is a, an option anymore. Uh, usually it's not, um, you know, sometimes they want to cancel with that agent. They're not happy. And then they relist with someone else and then it sells. So, But there are a lot of other reasons too why these listings are canceled. So that is the deal. Um, And again, you know, on these, these S asterisks up here, I know I already mentioned this, but a lot of agents don't handle this the best way. They don't handle temp off market canceled and expired listings with your best interests in their hearts. And, you know, usually they try to cut out the previous agent, work directly with the seller. That may sound like a good thing, but In most cases, even if it was canceled, expired, temp off market, in most cases, there still is a good relationship with trust between that previous agent and the seller. And trust is so important when it comes to any version of sales at all. And more of us are in sales than we care to admit. I'm obviously in sales, but I don't approach my business that way, approach my business with the client. So, what I always do. With temp off market, canceled, then expired. I always go through previous agents, and unless they tell me they have a bad relationship, you know, with a client, in which case, then we we talk about, hey, is there a better way? And then I still involve the agents. You know, I get them paid something or whatever so that they can help to kind of transition that over. Because for me, it's not about doing anything and everything to try and double my commission and get both sides. It is to. <coughs> arrange a positive outcome for my client which is the buyer my client is not the seller so to arrange for the best outcome for the buyer and what needs to happen for that to occur so just a heads up on that you know um just be aware that a lot of agents they they approach that more selfishly which makes sense I mean they want to make more money but just be careful um, that a lot of them aren't going aren't going to go through the previous agents you may want to say something to them. Um, just ask them how they're going to approach that. Um, So that's it. I hope this was helpful. And as always, please reach out if you have anything I can do for you. And if you would like me to kind of explain something else or if you want me to answer questions uh, for future podcasts, reach out. I'm happy to do that. All right, good luck out there. Thanks for tuning in to the Equity Team Podcast. To speak with one of our top agents, visit us at owninaz.com. That's O-W-N-I-N-A-Z dot com. Or call us at 928